What is up, everybody? Uh, welcome to Ages Analysis. It is the fourth episode now, you know, about a month in of starting this show. I've had, you know, a couple of good guests on. Uh, I had, you know, a great time talking with Matt Perino, Bruce Exclusive last week. We had a really good show. Uh, today, I'm here to break down the concerns for the Bills in 2023, because as great of a team as they are, there are going to be some concerns about the roster, um, the health. There, there's a lot of different avenues that you can go down um, with this team. That, that you know, There's been a lot of bright spots, but there's also concerns when you have a really talented team. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to you know, say my condolences to Eddie, Nick, the family. Um, a, a tragedy today for all of Bill's Mafia. And, you know, I'm hoping like Bill's Mafia always does, they always come together. They always, you know, build each other up, support each other. And that's what I hope the case is here. Um, the kid had, you know, a contagious smile, contagious laughter. He said, go Bills. And, and you know, in every video you see, he's saying go Bills. You, you could tell the Bills meant a lot to him. Um, so for him to have to go through that, it's just, you know, a terrible loss and, you know, praying for the family and praying for, you know, the, their whole family and, and Eddie himself. And I hope that they, you know, can celebrate him and his journey and his life. Um, the link in the in the description um, is for his GoFundMe. Um, I have a, Go, a GoFundMe link in the description. Feel free to donate, help out the family with, you know, expenses and stuff like that. Um, but it's just a really sad day. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a hard episode to get through, but, no, that's what I'm going to have to do. So starting with some concerns for the Bills, um, the first one that comes to my head and the first one that I'm going to discuss is Spencer Brown, the right tackle spot. Uh, Spencer Brown dealt with the back injury all last offseason. He had the sudden um, back injury, had the surgery, went into – Surgery for that, and I don't know if he was ever fully healed. He said he mentioned something before that it wasn't until the end of the season where he really got his, you know, mojo back and started feeling like himself. That's kind of what he went and said. But just the depth behind him, the depth behind the whole, you know, right tackle position with Cossonberry and Brandon Shell are those guys you can really develop and, you know, can they be suitable backups for Spencer Brown? That That's the question. I don't know. That, that's That's a question we don't know yet. That's why I have it as a concern, just because of the fact that I thought they could go, you know, with a Wani Morris or, a, you know, Blake Freeland. I know he's a similar Spencer Brown type, but a sort of rookie that they can develop just in case Spencer Brown doesn't work out. And they're, you know, kind of at a loss for words. Like, what do, what do we do? Um, so that's what I hope doesn't happen. But that has to be at the top of my list. The offensive line just wasn't good enough last year. Josh Allen was running for his life at times. There was miscommunications across the board. There were multiple times in that Cincinnati game where the Cincinnati defense just was able to, you know, just out-coach and out-scheme and out-play the whole Bills offense. That's why they only put up 10 points. Um, so the offensive line in general, I think, never has really been great with Josh Allen. I don't think it needs to be great, but I think it needs to take that next step. I think what they've done, you know, we talked about it last week a lot with I talked about it last week with Bruce a lot was just the offensive line and how they're they have to be better. The interior has to be better. The Mitch Morse is struggling uh, with the concussion issues. He's he's getting older, but he's you know when he's out there, he's really good. He's he's a really good player. Um, Dawkins has been a staple on the left side, which 
he's he's not elite, but he's he's a good he's a good left tackle. He's not gonna you know wow you with his athleticism or stuff like that. But he can he has you know a good anchor and he can play the position well. Um, and they obviously upgraded the guard position. Destroy that right tackle spot for me. The right tackle spot is a concern. What happens with Spencer Brown? Can he stay healthy? That's another question mark. I know it's like, well, he was injured last year, but yeah, is he able to stay healthy? Is he able to get past it? Um, that's one of my concerns. Uh, moving on to the next concern, and one that hasn't really gone away, is the overall coaching in the playoffs. And I'm going to start like with the defensive side of the ball. I think the defensive side of the ball has a little more room for you know, some criticism just because of the fact you have a defensive-minded coach. You're relying on that defense to play, you know, re- you're playing Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes every year. You're playing good quarterbacks. You're getting Lamar Jackson's now here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is in the division. If Tua's healthy, he can play ball. Um, th- there's a lot of talent. Justin Herbert, uh, you know, there's just a lot of talent in the AFC. And the Bills have to play, you know, in the, in the playoffs, good defense. And there have been moments – the past few years that that has not happened. Um, you look at last year against the against the Bengals. They allowed 412 total yards, 30 and 30 first downs. Absolutely dominated in that game. Enforced zero turnovers. Um, you know it's that it's hard to win a game when you're allowing over 400 yards. You're allowing you know 30 first downs in a game. Um, it's just baffling. Uh, I, I know the Bengals are a really good team, but when you're a top offense year in year out, you're you know, Regular season statistically, they're you know one of the best in the league every single year with McDermott. That that's not that's not my concern with the coaching staff in this regime. It's not what happens between September and January. They've proven they are capable of winning 10, 11, 12, 13 games year in, year out. Um, and they have a lot of talent, so they should be. But the cause for concern is not the regular season for me. It is the playoffs. You look back at 2021 uh, against the Chiefs in the 13 seconds game. They they allowed 552 yards and 30 first downs again. If your defense gets one stop in that game, you're moving on to the AFC Championship at home against the Bengals. And instead, you're you know you can't figure out how to stop. They're a great offense, but you have to stop them with 13 seconds left. And then you go back to 2020 um, against the Colts at home. They 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 won that game 27-24, but the offense. The Colts offense led by Phillip Rivers still allowed 472 yards of offense, which is way above the Bills average is what they do in the regular season. And then they turned around, had a really good performance against Baltimore, shot him to three points. Lamar was, you know, all over the place. He's really struggled that game. And then they played the Chiefs again. Uh, they were just outmatched. They weren't ready for that level yet. I think they were still a year away. Got blew up, got blown out by 14 points, allowed 439 yards and 29 first downs. Um, so they allowed 29 first downs against Kansas City in 2020, 30 first downs against Cincy last year, 30 first downs against Kansas City in 2021. So there's yet to be, you know, a, a regular or a playoff kind of season run for the Bills where they have not given up more than 29 first downs um, in a playoff in the last three years, which just needs a change. It's not acceptable when you're a defensive minded coach and you're doing, you know, that that's what you're here for. Um, and that, that needs a change. That's one of my concerns. Um, offensively, last year they, you know, it was just kind of a dud performance. I think I really do think it was a lot of burnout from the season. I think it was hard for 
just the whole team to go through what they went through. I think the offense was lost. I think Diggs was frustrated at that point. Clearly, I, I think that was a that was something that stemmed from Week Nine. I don't think that was getting resolved. I think the play of the offense wasn't helping that. They were squeaking by with wins. You, you know, you look you look back at the second half of that Green Bay game, and that's where I believe everything really changed. I, I was at that game. I could I could tell something was off in the second half. It just wasn't the same offense. And ever since that game, and then the Jets game the next week, you have Allen going down with the elbow injury. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. People blame the you know the elbow injury, but before that even happened, Allen was not playing that well. He threw an interception against uh, intended to Knox in the red zone, which got picked off, and I don't he didn't see the defender, and um, you know that was a potential first drive, first touchdown kind of situation that the Bills failed to capitalize on. And then later in the game, Sauce Gardner just, you know, sat in his own. Allen totally unaware of where the player was, threw the ball right to him, and, you know, they, they ended up with points out of it. So the, the offense just wasn't – you know, it, it was good. They, they were second in DVOA, which is it, – it's really good. They're elite. They're, they, they got hot, you know, early in the year, and then it kind of tampered off as the year went on. Uh, I think they've they've struggled with poor running back play. I think the use of 12 personnel will be used more this year with Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. That combo could be, you know, that's something that can help Ken Dorsey utilize what he does best. Um, the running backs, James Cook, I mean, you have a solid running back room. Your offensive line's upgraded. So I'm not as concerned offensively. I think Dorsey needs to be more creative. He needs to, you know, develop a shorter kind of passing style into the offense where guys can get yards after the catch and you can utilize your, your playmakers and your gadget guys. And, you know, you can get, you use guys like Deontay Hardy and get creative with him. Uh, There's a lot you can do with a multitude of players. And that's the big thing for me. And the last thing I'll make on this whole, you know, coaching kind of thing that's going on here when it comes past January and why it is concerning, but why I think it's fixable. I think the bills just need to, you know, make things simpler. Uh, I, I think what happens is, well, now we're going against the Bengals and the Chiefs, the two, you know, they're the top dogs. They made it to the AFC championship two years ago. And, we, you know, we're, we got to play these guys. The Bengals made an appearance in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs have won two already. I, I think the coaching staff and some, maybe some of the players overthink it too much. I think it needs to be a simplified thing. When you go into games like that, you don't want to be overanalyzing things. You just do what you do best. Stick to what you've been doing. Um and I think it just got to the point where everyone – I think there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of overthinking in terms of what, what are you going to do? What are we going to do this week? What's the what's the game plan? 
the teams they won against, you could tell that they, the Bengals believed in what they were doing. The, the Bengals defensive coordinator, who's slipping my mind right now, he knew what he was doing. He had a plan. The, the players believed in that plan, and it worked. They held the Bills to 10 points, a team that averaged, you know, 28 points a game, uh, you know, second in the league. So that's just what I feel in terms of the, you know, whole coaching thing debacle it's still going on there's still you know the whole digs thing and how the coach handled it I, i'm really just over it at this point i i don't i'm not discussing it anymore i don't i think yes i, I see both sides Diggs should have said something or made something or you know made a statement yeah sure he, he could have he should have whatever you want to think but i also think you don't the bills handle things a certain way and they handle things in house but when you handle things in house and you don't speak to the public about it or the media about it those there's going to be a lot of rumors and circulation and, and the story's going to elongate that that's also true too. If you don't say what's going on and your star receiver isn't showing up to minicamp and there's, you know, by cryptic things, which I know that's who he is, but, the, and he has the history of doing it with Minnesota. Uh, you know, it causes a concern. And when you keep it in house, which I think the bill should do, I think that's the right thing to do. I don't think anyone deserves to know really about the situation. It's private. But when you do do that, there is a consequence or something that comes from that. And that is people talking about it, people trying to collude on what's going on, what's happening inside one bill's drive. That's when you get the, you know, the national media guys talking about it. This is what I think. Robert RG3, um, you know, there's a lot of Mike Girardi. There's a lot of people in the national media talking about it. So it's just a whole mess. And, you know, just move on. The, the coaching is not as bad as you think. It's just they got to figure out when it comes to January, and that's truly how I feel, and that's what I think they need to fix, and that's one of my concerns heading into this season. Um, moving on, obviously, the big one, health. Um, I mean, I could sit here and talk about it even more than everyone already has, but the health of this team, and you could say it for every single team, but last year was something that I don't think anyone's ever seen Um it was terrible. Benford was out in the IR for five weeks. Uh, Jamison Crowder, you lost in week five against Pittsburgh or week four against Baltimore with a broken ankle. He's on IR. Gabe Davis has a good week one, then sits out against Tennessee. And then you go, you know, he comes back against Miami, but he's still, you know, was hobbled all year by that. Deion Dawkins missed a game uh, midseason. Tommy Doyle out with uh, on the IR. Tremaine Edmonds missed three games. Kyer Elam missed two games. AJ Apinesa missed a game. Uh, you know, and I, I get it. Guys miss it here and there. But it was just something that really affected this team. You could see it down the stretch. The more and more beaten and battered they got, the, the, the product on the field just wasn't as good. It wasn't the same talent. Losing Micah Hyde for IR all year, you could tell the difference. DeMar Hamlin was, you know, doing well as a backup. Not great, but I think he was serviceable. Losing him was tough. Dane Jackson has a scary neck incident against Tennessee. He's out for a week. Daquan Jones missing, you know, missing him the last week of the year against Cincy. Terrible. I mean, that that's a very, very terrible thing because Daquan Jones was the best run stuffer on this team. He shed blocks. He, um, you know, made two guys commit to him in the run game, which helped the Bills linebackers and other, you know, guys on the edge get to the running back and get to the quarterback. You know, Dawson Knox dealt with injuries. Jake Kumaro was on the IR um, starting in early December. It, it's just a plethora. Von Miller, the IR injury. There's a lot of injuries that happen with this team. I could go on and on. I could sit here all day and talk about each one and talk about how it affected the team. Jordan Phillips, Jordan Poyer, uh, Ed Oliver missed a couple of games. So, all in all, the, the Bills need to be healthier. They have been they have been blessed 
the previous couple of years before last year with, you know, you haven't really sustained that many injuries. And then last year, I think it all just hit him at once. And it was just a plethora of, you know, everything. RJ, how you doing? Hi, everyone. Missing Daquan. Absolutely killed us against Cincy. I'm still hoping for an extension for him. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, I think it would free up some money. But it, it will be interesting to see. I would like to see Daquan Jones and an Oliver back for another year. I think that'd be – it's a good one-two combo. I think adding Puna Ford in that room is also beneficial to Daquan Jones and at Oliver. So, I, I like – I agree with you, uh, RJ, on that. But, yeah, the, the whole dynamic of – the health aspect is, you know, you could say about every team, like I said, they just need to get healthier. They just need to, they, they have to avoid, I mean, you can't really avoid injury. It just happens. Um, but, you know, Poyer and Hyde are getting older. Von Miller's coming from an ACL. Hopefully he can rehab. The trainers do good for the Bills. I think the, you know, players have really done, when they get hurt, they make sure they're ready. They don't rush them back. They make sure they're healthy. Um, Spencer Brown was kind of a, weird instance, but I don't think, I think he wanted to play. And I don't think there was anything that medically obviously held him out. So he could play and he could go every week, but the injury bug, it just can't get to him this year. It's, it's a really huge thing. You got, you got to have your guys that you're paying big money to be on the field. You can't control it, but it would be huge, huge, huge. If they could stay relatively healthy this year, guys are going to miss games, but you got to stay relatively healthy. All right. Moving on to the next concern. Um, this is going to be an interesting one because I, I almost didn't put it on the list, but I'm still going to just because of the fact that Von Miller is coming off the injury. Leonard Floyd is, you know, plus 30. And then Greg Rousseau, yes, he is developing and he has, he is a really good player, but the, it's still pressure on the quarterback for me. Um, last year, the Bills finished, you know, in pressure percentage 22.2%, which is about 13, 12, 13th in the league. That it's a good number. They're getting pressure. They're getting to the quarterback. It's just about finishing. I would like to see that pressure rate go up. I think with all the money now invested into the defensive line, you upgraded on the edge. You upgraded in the interior, in my opinion, with bringing back Jordan Phillips, who hopefully is healthy, and adding Puna Ford to a defense that already had Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones. Ed Oliver just cashed down his big contract. And then on the outside, Leonard Floyd, Rousseau, Apanessa, Von Miller, all those guys, I, I think they can all contribute. You know, my hot take, there hasn't been a Bills player to have 10-plus sacks in since 2016. I think there could be two Bills players on this defensive line, whether it's Leonard Floyd, Rousseau, Von Miller, Rousseau, a, a combination of, of two guys on this defensive line that get 10 sacks. And that's that's kind of something I've thought about, and I think that could genuinely happen. I still am concerned about it, though. Because I feel like every year the Bills do this thing where they bring in guys that I think, oh, they can contribute and they're going to help, uh, you know, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, uh, Shaq Lawson last year. Th there's always been guys that I feel like have been added to this room, Tim Settle, and they just don't produce. And there, there's not – like Leonard Floyd's coming off – like Trent Murphy, for example. Uh, Trent Murphy was a guy that people thought was going to produce and he was coming off a, you know, a lot of sacks with a PED uh, – or I'm sorry, PED – um, what's the word? The P <laughs> someone help me out the PED uh, suspension. Sorry. And he never just came into his own as a bill. He never was able to, he was, he was able to set the edge in the run game, but that was about it. He didn't really offer much pressure on the quarterback. So it's interesting because I think they have upgraded on the defensive line, but I also think it's still a cause for concern just because they haven't yet done it at a consistent rate enough for me to be like, okay. I'm content. Like, yes, right now on paper, I'm I'm more content than I've ever been. Like, this team is special. 
you know, in the front four. They have a really good defensive line. I think if Leonard Floyd can really ball out and use the most of his snaps, there's nothing that can really stop this team if Von Miller also can come back healthy, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, the defensive line, getting pressure, I think that's important. I think getting, you know, sacks, finishing on your, on your pressure is very important, and I think that's something that hopefully improves, but I'm still concerned about it. The next thing um, is who else is besides Diggs? Who else is going to contribute besides Stephon Diggs? That is something – now, I'm high on Gabe Davis. I think he's a really good player. I think he's had his inconsistencies. But I want to go back, and I'm going to read the stat lines. Follow along with me. Um, at the last seven weeks of Gabe Davis from last year. Now, we had the game against Pittsburgh where he had 171 yards and two touchdowns. Phenomenal game. Fouled it up with a 74-yard performance against Kansas City for another touchdown. So he he got in a little groove, and then all of a sudden, after Minnesota, where he had 93 yards and a touchdown – his last seven games, this is a yardage in them, 68, 38, 15, 31, 56, 45, 39. And then in the playoffs, he had the game against Miami where it went for 100 yards and a touchdown. And then against Cincinnati, had 34 yards on four targets, two receptions for 34 yards against Cincinnati in the playoffs. So Gabe Davis – as much as I like the guy, I think he can be a wide receiver too. I, I think he, well, I think he is a wide receiver too. I think he can be a top tier wide receiver too if he is more consistent and he can find a rhythm. There's, there's no really excuse at this point for. Well, there's no one else besides Diggs. I feel like they, you know, they have confidence in Gabe Davis. You go and draft and trade up for a rookie tight end that you can get on the field at the same time as Dawson Knox and all these guys I'm mentioning, and play good football and use 12 personnel. Um, you get a Deontay Hardy who can separate and understands the game more than a, an Isaiah McKenzie who the Bills let go of and lost in free agency. Trent Sherfood, who's a, you know a more polished receiver than a Jake Kumaro who can also contribute in the run game and also excel at being that guy that can uh, you know get the targets when you ask him to. He's not going to be the guy that you know is racking up all these receptions and the main guy, but he can do it when you ask him to. And that's what he's been. He, that's what he goes to the Dolphins, and that's what he's going to be for the Bills. Um, and RJ actually makes a really good point, too, going back to the defensive end uh, conversation here. I'm just hoping Floyd isn't the new Mario Addison, though if that is the case, I'm really questioning Eric Washington at that point. Yeah, it's weird that the Eric Washington thing is interesting because Bill's Mafia seems to have such a strong opinion of uh, uh, Eric Washington, a guy that I don't think anyone of, any one of us have really met. I think he's done an okay job. Has he not developed his guys? Yes. Um but yeah, RJ, I agree with you. I thought I tweeted this out right when the Floyd signing happened. I said Leonard Floyd's going to be the signing that they, the Bill, Bills fans thought Mario Addison would be, and I still agree to that. Mario Addison was coming off and you know 11, 12 sack season or nine and a half sack season. Leonard Floyd was just coming off a nine sack season. They both had around thirty sacks the last three years uh, combined, each of them. So. I don't know. I, I expect more from Floyd. I think he's a better pass rusher. I think Mario Addison was at the end of his career and kind of winding down. They still gave him $10 million, which is more than Floyd. They gave him Floyd seven with $2 million in incentives. So they clearly thought Mario Addison was going to be kind of that 1A, 1B with Jerry Hughes, and he just didn't turn out to be that way. The Bills don't need Leonard Floyd to be the 1A, 1B with Von Miller because I think Rousseau can take that rollover. I think he's he's at, he's right. I mean, he is ready. He should be ready to take that 1A, 1B spot with Von Miller. But Leonard Floyd has to be that second guy that when he's coming in on, you know, 
obvious passing downs is getting home and getting to the quarterback. Uh, he's got to be the guy that can do that. Um, so, RJ, thanks for the comment. You're making me uh, get off track, but I appreciate the uh, comment. I like I like interacting. Uh, so, yeah, besides Diggs, I don't know. Gabe Davis is a guy that just has been inconsistent. You look at Cleo Shakir, a guy, a rookie, who is trying to come into his own. Does he have a role? Does he not? Where is he going to fit? Um, is he going to be a slot guy? I think he offers position versatility, which most people don't realize. I think he can play on the outside and in the slot. I don't think he's just like a one-trick pony. So he's an interesting guy to talk about. And then you have Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield. I think they've done on paper some things that are make me a little more confident, but I still don't know if if there's that guy when Diggs is getting bracketed or double covered or taken out of a game. What can the offense do? Um, I know I know with the Kansas City game in the playoffs, they figured it out and Gabe Davis, you know, had the game of his life and it seemed like he was just snatching everybody's ankles uh, every round he ran, every you know, every stem he hit, he it was the guy fell over. He was just it was it was a pretty incredible game. But yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do besides Diggs. I think they've tried to do enough on paper. I think Kincaid is a is a step in the right direction, but he's a rookie. Rookie tight ends don't really coming to fruition until, you know, a couple of years in the league. It's, it's a hard position to learn. It's a hard transition. It'll be interesting. Uh, and Stefan Diggs also, I think there's also concern from that end. If he's not being implemented enough or getting the targets like he was or getting those, you know, if he's not getting his 12, 10, 12 plus targets a game, when does that become an issue? Um, you know, cause there's, there's going to be that tension there. There's obviously if things don't go right in the offense and it takes them a little time to figure out, can, can the offense handle it and can the offense live up to, you know, the hype and can they come together and figure it out and not, you know, bash heads and argue about it and kind of just collectively come together. That's also an interesting point. And then the final concern that I have, um, and then I'll get to questions if any of you have any, um, is the turnovers in the red zone for Josh Allen. Josh Allen led the league in turnovers last year uh, with 19. Uh, he was a league leader. Uh, in turnovers last year. I'm concerned with Josh just because the turnovers last year were costly. And now this isn't a trend yet. I, I don't think it's a trend because I think a trend is, you know, it happens year after year. This was this hasn't been happening year after year. And I'm, I'm about to explain why uh, to you guys. So in 2020, Allen, 23 touchdowns to zero interceptions, zero fumbles lost. So he had 23 touchdowns with no turnovers in the red zone in 2020. Zero. Clean, perfect. Uh, I think he had a you know 60-plus completion percentage, which is really good in the red zone, especially for a guy like Josh. 2021, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, zero fumbles lost. So not – I mean, that's still exceptional. Two interceptions in the red zone all year. You know, you're, you're plus 50 touchdowns with only two interceptions with zero fumbles lost in 2020 and 2021. Brian Dable, I think, you know, it, he was the variable that kind of was gone. Um, I think that has uh, something to do with it is losing Brian Dable. So hopefully with Condorcy with another year on the offense, that can figure itself out. But uh, in 2022, that's where things just – it didn't it didn't really add up in terms of, you know, what, what happened to Josh. He went, you know, going from throwing – 60-plus percent you know, in the red zone, to now five interceptions, 23 touchdowns, and a fumble lost. So we had six turnovers last year in the red zone um, and 23 touchdowns. So you go from having two in 2020 and 2021 combined to six in one year. 
Um, so that is a concern for me. I don't think the, the offense gets in the red zone so much. You have to capitalize and score touchdowns. That's what this offense does. You're not, you're not the drought era bills now where you're getting to the 35 yard line, the drive stalling and you're getting your, you know, the, the bills mafia's favorite player on the team. The kicker comes out, comes and trots out in the field and kicks a 50 plus yarder and bills fans. Oh yeah, we'll take three. You know that when, when you're going down the field, getting in the red zone and you're not scoring touchdowns with this offense and you know, you're not going to score every time. I understand that there's, you know, scenarios where that doesn't happen. But when you're giving the ball to the other team six times in the red zone in one season, that's going to catch up to you. And I think it it, it needs to stop being a trend. RJ, uh, the red zone turnovers I placed mostly on Dorsey. Josh never had red zone turnovers prior to last year. Uh, yeah, RJ, it's interesting. I, I think I – I mean, I do blame Josh for some of the decisions he's made in the red zone, red zone last year. I, I don't think it's all coaching. Uh, the player with the ball is making the decision. Um, you can blame the coach, but the coach is re- relaying the play to the guy, and, and the players have to execute the play. There were some turnovers last year, like the Minnesota game, where, I mean, it was just a terrible read by Josh. You go down the whole field, you throw the pick, you end the game. Uh, the the two – or the one against – I talked about earlier in the Jets game with Dawson Knox, where he threw it right at the guy – right in the red zone. It's a drive killer. It just, it ruins your momentum and it's something that they need to fix. I don't think it's a trend yet, but it's something that if it continues, you gotta, it's a concern for me. It's a big concern for me. Um, the offense needs to figure itself out inside the 20. That's a big thing for me. And you know, the, the stats prove it. He had six last year and two in 2020 and 2021. So that's kind of where I'm at with the concerns for this team. Are there any further questions? I'll, I'm, you know, I'm free to, I'm free to hear out anything here. I got a, a little bit more time. So if anyone has questions, um, feel free to shoot them my way. Um, there's 14 of you. So if, if one of you could ask a question, that would be great. I want to interact with the chat more and get more people to you know, ask questions just so I can, you know, get a sense of what people want to talk about um, and, kind of feel it out. But, you know, for those who have been listening so far, thank you. Um, Please like subscribe. Um, It really helps out the Buffalo Rumblings channel. Um, It's real. It's a grateful help to the channel in general. And I think, you know, the show's been going really well so far. um, And I appreciate everyone listening and stuff like that. Oh, Chris Sobalski, my father. How about replacing Tremaine? Yeah, that, I was going to put that on my concern list and maybe it, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. But the, the thing with replacing Tremaine is RJ, I'll hit, I'll hit your question too. Um, I see uh, Dorian Williams winning the spot eventually. I don't think it's week one, but I think by mid-year Dorian Williams is a starter, but I think replacing Tremaine with the upgrades on the defensive line with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer back there with Matt Milano right next to you calling the plays, he's going to be the one with, you know, calling all the plays for the defense. I think it's not going to be as big of a concern as you think. I think Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds is replaceable. There's a reason they didn't go out and pay him. Um, I think they, they, they thought they could do better. They thought they could find cheaper and use that player at a, you know, the same rate or even better than they use Tremaine. So replacing Tremaine, I, I thought about it, but I'm really confident you had the, the veteran presence or presence with AJ Klein and Tyrell Dodson. You have the up-and-coming guys with Dale Inspector, Dorian Williams, Terrell Bernard. So they have a lot of options. They have a lot of multiple routes they can go. Um, so the, the middle linebacker competition isn't as big of a deal just because I think the talent around the middle linebacker, whoever that is, is going to help. It's, it's really going to help him out. 
um, and really make the defense as a whole just mesh together. Uh, Tremaine's going to be a good player. I, I wish him the best in Chicago. I think he he's lengthy. He's good at coverage. He struggled processing plays pre-snap. I think he had trouble filling run gaps. I think most of his ta- some of his tackles were yards down the field. I will say, last year, there was piece of me that's like, maybe the Bills should resign Tremaine Edmonds. Um, and that really didn't come to my mind until last year. I didn't really think of it. I thought it was kind of a thank you. We traded up for you. You were a good player. You made plays, but you didn't make the splash plays. And you didn't make, you, you know, you didn't do enough for me to say, I'm going to sign you to $18 million, $18 million a year. Now, after this year, I was like, wait a minute, like this kid's good. And, I, you know, I think that maybe there's a avenue for it. But when I saw the cap and how the whole situation was working, I was like, all right, there's no shot that. Termaine Edmonds is getting resigned. He's going to go get his bag. He deserves it. And I think, like I said earlier, the Bills can find a replacement. I think they will. I think they have it in the locker room now. And there's a reason they don't didn't go and spend big money um, on a on a middle linebacker this offseason. There, there was a lot of options, and they didn't do it. RJ, do you think Dorsey will go back to the higher amount of play action that Dable made a staple of using? The Bills with Dave's were best in the league when using play action. RJ, that is a great question. I hope so. Um, I, I think having using 12 personnel more, we'll see how that works itself out. But I, I think using play action, I think Josh Allen, when Josh Allen, let me say this, when Josh Allen was under center, when Brian Dable was here and there was the running back, you know, the running back behind him and, you know, snap the ball, play action. I was so confident every time that ball was leaving Josh Allen's hands that it was going to be something positive. And I feel like last year we saw less of that and less of that. So I hope Dorsey does that. I hope he, you know, he's learning. I know it sucks that he's learning in a Super Bowl window and the window is only for so long. And I get that. I get the I get the urgency to be like, okay, this guy needs to figure it out now. Like I get it. He does need to figure it out now. This is the year to figure it out with your 12 personnel tight end and the, the weapons you've added. So I think using play action, Josh Allen's good at it. He's excelled at it, you know, as a NFL quarterback, I think going to your player's strengths, making him comfortable is something that Ken Dorsey should utilize. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at with the whole Dable kind of um, Josh Allen, Ken Dorsey kind of situation. I, I think there's there's room to grow for Ken Dorsey. I know it sucks, but that's the truth of the matter. And hopefully Dorsey learns that you need to put your players in positions to succeed. I think an offensive line upgrade will help that, which they've done. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with that. Any more questions? Um, I I would I'll, I'll take a little bit more. I, I have some time here. The concerns. It's hard to talk about concerns with a team that's so talented. Um, I think, and, and a lot of the stuff they faced last year was so out of this world. Kind of, you know, it wasn't really. It was like, oh my gosh, wow. Um, the Bills are actually going through all this, the Von Miller stuff. So I think last year was kind of a phenomenon. I don't think it's a normal NFL year. Sean McDermott said himself that this is the most I've ever been through as a head coach. Um, it's something that I don't think is going to repeat itself. I sure hope it does not. And I think the Bills are going to put themselves in a position to succeed this year. There's more positives about this team than concerns. I will say that. But, you know, you got to talk about the concerns because there, there's always something – the, the grass isn't always green on the other side, and there's always there's the good with the bad. So um, with that, uh, I guess th- that'll be it for today. Um, I appreciate everybody watching, um, and if you could please like, subscribe, share, um, donate uh, to the GoFundMe for Eddie. Um, it's in my description.
So I appreciate all of you tuning in, watching. Um, oh, my dad, another question real quick. Who will emerge as the Bills' leading running back, Kirk or Harris? I struggle with this, too, because I think Damian Harris is more of like the workhorse downhill runner that can take the majority of the carries and get downfield and get first downs and score touchdowns. But at the same time, I think Cook, in terms of scheme fit and how they're going to utilize Cook, I think Cook's just going to be on the field more. So I don't think there's any chance that Harris does emerge, especially Harris has the injury concerns. But I think if Harris gets hot and Cook is struggling or he's dropping balls, I think there's a chance where Damian Harris is implemented and he is used to kind of take the pressure – pressure off James Cook and stuff like that. So I think James Cook for now, just because he is more beneficial and, you know, to the scheme and what Ken Dorsey wants to do. But I think Damian Harris is a downhill runner that has in his NFL career, James Cook has only ran for, you know, hundred attempts in his NFL career. Damian, Damian Harris, he ran for over 200, two years ago before Ramondre Stevenson kind of caught ground and took over that job and took it from Damian Harris. But I still think that says more about Ramondre Stevenson than Damian Harris. Damian Harris is still special to me. I think he's a good talent. I think Latavius Murray's another back that can, you know, emerge as a, you know, red zone kind of threat and, you know, inside the 10, five yard line and get in the end zone. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with James Cook here, but I'm telling you, don't sleep on Damian Harris. He's a hell of a player. And I think he can really do some good things and score touchdowns and put points on the board for this team. Uh, RJ, it's odd because they were 13 and three last year, but I am more unsure about this season than the last three seasons. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a show topic for me next week, RJ. Uh, maybe that is a, a show topic for me because that is that is interesting. I, I feel like that that's the pressure all mounting up. I think that's the lack of success come January. I think that's what's that's you know that's my best guess right now. I think it's kind of a overall just buildup of what's going on in terms of the, you know, just how the, the Bills have played the last couple of seasons. So that's that's for sure an interesting comment, but I've never thought about it that way. But I think you're you're almost dead on. I think there is a lot of pressure on the Bills this year. They they haven't gotten over the hump, and they're a team that needs to. So, um, but with that said, RJ, thank you for the comment. Good show tonight. I thank you all for watching. Um, again, if you're listening on audio, I appreciate it. It'll be up in a couple of days, probably tomorrow morning. So I'm going to get that out to you guys. And remember the link in the description for Eddie. Um, you know, just a sad day. You know, I know Bill's Mafia is going to come together and do what they do best. And uh, it's, it'll, it'll, you know, the season's for Eddie. That, that, that's what it is. And, you know, he's, he'll be, he'll be a poncho and that's, that's a, uh, that's a good thing. So thank you all for watching like subscribe. Um, and I appreciate all of you for watching. Uh, I'll see you next time.